this on my heart tonight, and so I'm going to read a scripture from Luke chapter 1, and, uh, and then we'll be seated. But let me read just a little, little bit, because you probably already know that Luke is the one that writes the most about Christmas, about the birth of the Lord. And it's very interesting. But he he begins his gospel talking about John the Baptist and being uh, uh, Jesus' cousin and all of that. So all of that story is very interesting. We'll skip it. But in verse 26, in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel, so we pick it up there, then Luke talks about the Christmas story from verse 26 to the end of the chapter, which is what, seven, uh, 80, 80 verses. So that's 50 some odd, I guess that's 54, would that be right? 54 verses right there, just in chapter one. And then in chapter two, he doesn't stop the, the Christmas story until verse 40, then he, he moves to a little bit later in the early life of the Lord. But I'm going to read just a few verses here in verse 26. And in the sixth month, that is of, of John's... Uh, <laughs> what word am I going to use there? Of, uh, of John being in his mother's womb, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So he's describing the story, of course, that like Luke would, he's a historian, as though you don't even know where, where Nazareth is. It's just like you've never heard of it before. And then it goes on, verse 27, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, as though you never heard that of the house of David, as though you would want to know his lineage, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail thou, art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. So Luke gets into the theology of who the baby is. And we're, gonna, we're not going to go much further. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Which of course would make you think that he's going to be a king. And you wouldn't suspect crucifixion in, this, in the way this is being told. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And of course, that's a prophecy from, from Isaiah. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee therefore also that holy thing which shall be everyone say that holy thing which I I, I find very interesting to call it a holy thing that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. Could we just pray together and ask the Lord to bless our time in the word tonight? Could we just pray and maybe set your Bible aside and let's just ask God's blessing. Father, I thank you for the, this beautiful time of year. Thank you for Christmas and 
celebration of your birth. I pray tonight that our hearts will respond and receive your word tonight. That we won't just fluff it off and say, well, it's just just Christmas. And I pray that our hearts will be blessed and that families will be drawn together. And that we will not reject tonight the, te- the clear teaching of the Bible. I pray that our hearts will not turn from it or minimize it, but that we will receive it as the will of God for our hearts tonight. And we will give you praise for it because we know that you are great. Amen. <clears throat> All right, you can be seated. Thank you. And of course, you could have been seated any time, but thank you for standing. Um, now tonight, I'm... I'm uh, entitling this Christmas lesson slightly unique from the lesson before, which was the, the message of Christmas. Everyone say the message, all right? But tonight I'm entitling this the lesson of Christmas. Okay? Uh, is anyone away? Is any, anybody here not had too many sugar cookies? Are we all, any of us awake? All right. So the, the message of Christmas is the theological message that Christmas was about, and that is that God had come. To the earth, and that's that's what I talked about last time. But when I say the lesson of Christmas, I mean what is the lesson that we are to learn from Christmas itself? Not its message when Christ came, that was that God is here. God is with us. Emmanuel, we've already we've talked about it. And, and some of you are like, oh, help us, Lord, get to the new year before Brother French dies. That's crazy. I understand that. But tonight, our, our lesson our, is the lesson of Christmas. That is, the intended lesson of Christmas. And so, as we look here through Luke chapter 1 and the 80 verses, at least 54 of these verses are all about, and I would absolutely uh I wish people wanted, would love to just go through all of these verses and look at this, the, a marvelous detail about the Christ as, a, as the Christ child and how Luke saw it as advancing the kingdom of God. Obviously, Christmas was a very powerful doctrinal lesson for the church and Luke, its greatest historian, was able to use the Christmas story, for, for example, to demonstrate that he had no earthly father. I mean, what could be more powerful? And Satan hates it. Every single Christmas, everything they do is, he, well, he, no, there's no possibility. Isaiah 7 can't mean that she was a virgin. I mean, a virgin? What are you talking about? She's a virgin. Every Christmas. It's on the front of every magazine. Somebody, somebody somewhere, so they, inter, they interview a new genius of why that she couldn't have been a virgin. Well, I can tell you right now, there's, there's a, you don't need a reason that she couldn't have been a virgin. Everybody knows she couldn't have been a virgin. It had to be a miracle. It, it was a miracle. That's what it was. Okay, so all of that is, is very, very powerful. Now, but, but I want us to ask ourselves tonight, what is the lesson of Christmas? What is the lesson of Christmas? Now, I don't, if, if you say, of course, well, I think the lesson of Christmas and, and, and uh, so on, and it's not what I'm saying tonight, I'm not suggesting there aren't varied lessons in the Christmas story. <clears throat> but in, in my mind, there is an overall lesson to Christmas that we are to draw from the very act, not the theology of Christmas. The, the, the theology of Christmas is that God has come to the world. That's a, that in itself, we could do that forever. That, that what, a, what a mighty, mighty truth that is. But the lesson of Christmas is a very, very powerful thing. Now, 
we, are, we see the value, and I, I want to be able to say, and I, I'm, I'm taking it slow, I'm not going to be a long time, you know, you don't have to be nervous, you don't have to take an extra pill or anything, I'm, I'm not going to be lengthy here, um, I, I, I mean, I don't plan to be, I hope to just to go, go through this, but do I always have to run an aisle before you believe I'm not going to be all night long? So the lesson of Christmas is a lesson that is so powerful that we take it for granted, that we, we overlook it, that we don't recognize it for the value that it is. It is a biblical truth that we must not lose sight of. And that's the lesson of Christmas. In my mind, it is the most important thing about Christmas. Now, of course, in that lesson, all of the beauties of the holiday as we see it are, are a part of it. For example, children. How many think that children is a special, that Christmas is a special time for children? How many understand what I mean by that? Oh, hallelujah. And I don't mean by that that they get gifts and they have a tree in their home. I'm talking about the fact that children can understand Christmas like no other lesson of the Bible. It is a gift from God to open the minds of people, especially children, to understanding that God... Now, I, don't, I know theologically, if you were talking the message of Christmas and you say God came, that, that can become... Uh, I mean, for a child, they'll think, well, oh, God came? Is, is God a man? And then you can say, well, yes, God became a man. Oh, sometimes children are quicker to, to grab it than, than adults are. But the lesson of Christmas, that when children begin to grasp and see the beauty of, of God coming into the world, uh, it can become a powerful way for them to, to understand God. And how many are thankful that God came into the world. Praise God. He's, uh, he's promised us that he would move in us, he would pour his spirit out, and so it is. Now, I want to read here. Uh, this is the, the poem that made Helen Steiner Rice famous. Now, she's written many things. She's written all kinds of poetry books, but this is her most famous You'll recognize it instantly. It happened one day. It's called The Christmas Guest. It happened one day at the year's end. Two neighbors called on an old friend. And they found his shop so meager and mean, made gay with a thousand bows of green. And Conrad was sitting with face a shine when he suddenly stopped as he stitched a, tw- a twine and said, Old friends, at dawn today, when the cock was growing the night away, the Lord appeared in a dream to me and said, I'm... I am coming your guest to be. So I've been busy with feet of stir, strewing my shop with branches of fir. The table is spread and the kettle is shined, and over the rafters the holy holly is twined. And now I will wait for my Lord to appear and listen closely so I will hear his step as he nears my humble place, and I open the door and look in his face. So his friends went home and left Conrad alone, for this was the happiest day he had known. For long since his family had passed away and Conrad had spent a sad Christmas day. But he knew with the Lord as his Christmas guest, this Christmas would be the dearest and best. And he listened with only joy in his heart. And with every sound he would rise with a start and look for the Lord to be standing there in answer to his earnest prayer. So he ran to the window after hearing a sound, but all that he saw on the snow-covered ground was a shabby beggar whose shoes were torn. And all of his clothes were ragged and worn. So Conrad was touched and went to the door. And he said, your feet must be frozen and sore. And I have some shoes in my shop for you. And a coat that will help you warmer too. So with grateful heart, the man went away. But as Conrad noticed the time of day, he wondered what made the dear Lord so late and how much longer he'd have to wait when he heard a knock and ran to the door. But it was only a stranger once more, a bent old crone with a shawl of black, a bundle of kindling piled on her back. She asked for only a place to rest, and but that was reserved for Conrad's great guest. But her voice seemed to plead, don't send me away, let me rest a while on Christmas Day. So Conrad brewed her a steaming cup and told her to sit at the table and sup. But after she left, he was filled with dismay, for he saw that the hours were passing away and the Lord had not come as he said he would. And Conrad felt sure he had misunderstood. 
when out of the stillness he heard a cry, Please help me and tell me where I am. So again he opened his friendly door and stood disappointed as twice before. It was only a child who had wandered away and was lost from her family on Christmas Day. Again, Conrad's heart was heavy and sad, and he knew he should make this little child glad. So he called her in and wiped her tears and quieted her childish fears. Then he led her back to her home once more, and as he entered his own darkened door, he knew that the Lord was not coming today, for the hours of Christmas had passed away. So he went to his room and knelt down to pray, and he said, Dear Lord, why did you delay? What kept you from coming to call on me? For I wanted so much your face to see. When soft in the silence a voice he heard, Lift up your head, for I kept my word. Three times my shadow crossed your floor. Three times I came to your lonely door. For I was the beggar with bruised cold feet. I was the woman you gave to eat. And I was the child on the homeless street. You see, that is uh, a great poem because it is, it is filled with the lesson of Christmas, that it is all about uh, giving and being a giver. Christmas is about selflessness. Dickens, as be, of course Dickens would have been famous without his Christmas carol, but <clears throat> I suppose if you were to ask someone uh, what what truly made Dickens? Someone might say, "Oh, it was Great Expectations," or it was uh, one of his other greats. He 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 was one of the truly great writers of his time, and uh, but but his most en- enduring, of course, was A Christmas Carol, and it was all about the opposite of Christmas, and and a fellow by the name of of, of Scrooge, or at least that was his last name. You notice not many people like the last name of Scrooge. And uh, <clears throat> they don't use it all that often. And I've, I've, I've never been to a, a hospital where they said, oh, we're, we're naming our little darling. Oh, we're naming him Scrooge. You never hear that. Almost never. I've never heard it personally, but I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's not very often. I haven't checked the rosters lately, but not many people name uh, another name that's not very common is Judas. But Scrooge is way up there. They don't like to name their son Scrooge because it is the opposite of the spirit and the lesson of Christmas. The lesson of Christmas is to give. When you give, there's something very, very powerful that happens. And I want to uh, take a few moments to remind us tonight and in the presence of God that when we give, we are close to the heart of God. When we are givers, and I don't mean, I'm not a communist, I don't mean for one minute that people should be able to break in here, burn the building down, and it, uh, people's property don't mean, doesn't mean anything. And I don't mean when I say give someone to rob you of something. For example, if someone were to rob you tonight, and I, I don't mean this in any literal way, I'm just simply saying, if, if it were to be the horrible circumstance that you would be somewhere tonight and they would rob you of your money and then take the money and give a gift to someone, that would be completely empty. How many understand what I'm saying? Now, I know people that defend it, and they say, well, if they weren't so poor, they wouldn't be robbing, and, and uh, so they, they have a right to rob because you have more money than you deserve. See, that's the kind of stupidity that we're, this, this whole notion that brought about the Soviet Union was the idea that we need to take from everybody. Now, let me tell you something about that, and I want you to listen to this preacher for just a minute. The idea that you would take from everybody because somebody has more than you, grab it because it's yours now. I even heard one guy defending it on the basis of um, Robin Hood. How many's ever heard of Robin Hood? Is that a story you've heard of? Robin Hood, you know, is the, let's say he's fictional. I, I'm not going to get into a big debate over whether he's real or not. But, uh, but Robin Hood supposedly was justified in robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. And some people take that story. And, and, and my answer to them is, 
you had better obey the word of God because one of the ten commandments, everyone say ten. There aren't 500 of them. There's just ten of them. Thou shalt not steal. The very basis of society is, oh, hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not, and on and on. I don't know, but the basis of all society has been the very law of God. To, to think that you, what someone else has is yours is the opposite of giving. All right? That's thievery. And the minute that you think that it's yours, that's why you need to teach your children. For example, someone might say, well, they took it and, I, and they lied about it. The child lied about it. There is a time in every child's life when the lesson they must learn has got to be as, as clear as a bell. And if a parent says to them, oh, you're just a little darling, you didn't mean to steal it, it may, it may begin to instill in their minds that, that if they want it, they should grab it and they can lie about it. Because that's what our culture is doing. Let me tell you something, folks. Our culture's in trouble. There is an answer. And it's a baby born in a manger. Hallelujah. He's the son of God. Praise God. So the lesson is to give. To give. Even when uh, it goes against your grain. Even when they don't appreciate it. Even when nobody's going to thank you. Even when nobody notices. Even when the world's going crazy, you still give. You give. That's why, and don't get me going here. I'm not going to go too far into that. But even Jesus, his entire lessons in his ministry about turning the other cheek. And so forth. How many are following me? Anybody still awake? Anybody following me here? That the whole idea of the ministry of Jesus is that we are to be givers. We are not to be selfish. We are to be giving. And let me tell you something, folks. The spirit of a giver. Oh, I, oh, I just I don't want to get all weepy here, but I'm trying not to. I'm trying to teach this without becoming. But I, I fear that we become so caught up in ourselves. We become so caught up in what I have. It's mine. That's mine. That spirit of selfishness. It's just, I, I, I understand that, that the, the world is wrong and the world's taking. And so I understand that the, the world's in trouble. The only thing that's going to save this world, I'm going to tell you what's going to save the world. Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. He's getting ready. I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready for the gates of pearl, keeping my record bright. Watching both day and night, I'm getting ready to leave this world. That's what's going to save us. So if you listen, if you think that your selfishness is going to save you, then you're a fool. If you want to do like Christ did, you have to be a giver. All right. All right. So that's the that is, in fact, the uh, the lesson of Christmas. Now, of course, the very first gift was from God. The very first gift of Christmas was was the Christ child, the baby that we just read about in Luke. But I want to read from John 3.16. Now you know that John 3.16 is the most popular verse in the entire Bible. The Pew Foundation just funded an enormous uh, research project that took years. They surveyed literally, I mean it's one of the biggest religious surveys they've done in years. And here's what they found. They found that way more people are reading their Bible than they thought. They found that most people, way huge numbers of Americans, after 150 years of having all kinds of Bibles, they're still reading a King James Bible. I had a guy just not long ago said, why, you're, you're living in yesteryear preaching from a King James Bible. And I said, well, how do you know that's yesteryear? Oh, everybody's moved on. Well, the truth is they found out that very, very, very few people are using the supposed uh, newer Bibles where they rip all the scriptures out. That's after 150 years of people advertising and saying, oh, come on, grow up, use better Bibles, we need a better Bible, and so on. And they also found out that 
huge numbers into the tune of tens of millions of people. Tens of millions of people. And I, actually, it's well over 100 million people that claim that they read their Bible every single week. And 9% of Americans say that they read the Bible every single day. 9% of Americans, not just, and, and there, there are so many people that are still depending on the Bible, praise God. And John 3.16 is their favorite verse. And in Psalm 23 is the second most popular scripture in the Bible. But John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world that he gave. And so there we are. The Spirit The most popular verse in the entire Bible tells us that God gave. Now, if you look it up, most people connect John 3.16 to to Calvary, that he gave his son at Calvary, all right? But that is not technically accurate. The son was given, everyone say given. Isaiah said a son is given. I have given to the world a gift, and the gift was the Christ child. Hallelujah. A perfect, sinless human being that could redeem us. Oh, let's lift our hands and thank God for the redemption that has come through Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, I praise you, Lord. I don't, I don't discourage anybody. I don't care what, what they believe. If they believe in you, Lord, I pray that the message of Christ will change their lives. Oh, God. Hallelujah. You gave. You loved us so much that you gave. And so so what you see here is that giving is linked to love. If you don't give, that means your love is not known. In fact, the Bible links repeatedly, and I'm I'm only going to take a few more minutes. I want to preach this, but I can see that it's, it's, it's December. I'm up against December. Thank you, Lord, for December. All right. So God so loved the world that he gave when you love, you give. You give. You Now, it's amazing to me. Have you ever noticed people that would just do anything for their own kids, but they won't do a flat? Is that a, is that a correct English, Sister French? Wouldn't give a flat? What, what does my dad say? A plug nickel? Does he call that a plug? Do any of you know what a plug nickel is? Okay. Well, I, I, I think a plug nickel is... My dad was... Uh, lived most of his life up in Michigan, and they would uh, stamp about the size of a nickel and, and, and uh, uh, pieces, little round pieces of metal, and they look like a nickel, although they don't have any buffaloes or any. They're not nickels. They're just pieces of metal that are round, and, uh, and they're worthless, in other words. You don't care anything about plug nickels? Okay. Um, well, there's a... Plenty of folks that don't have any concern whatsoever. I'm trying to get some expression that you can relate to. But uh, I want to tell you something, folks. When you are a giver, when you care about someone, when you love them, you're going to give of yourself. I would say of myself. Okay, okay, we're almost there then. I got you to do. Oh, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so you give of yourself. Okay, I got you to admit it right there. I've got this whole church here packed with people to to admit that you give. Nobody will know the difference. You give of yourself. Now, someone said, I gave them a gift. That's of yourself. If you give from your blessing and you give it to someone, you have taken what was yours and you have pushed it on. And you have said, I want to do this. And, and oh, let me tell you something, folks. There's something about being a giver. There's something about being like the Lord that makes us want to give of ourselves. I don't mean give away and, and your own people go hungry. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about having a spirit of a giver. God so loved the world. Now, when you love something and love someone, then that changes everything right there. Like I've had people whose children were in desperate circumstances. 
And I said, your child here, they weren't a child anymore, but you know, your, your offspring is done thus and so. And they're in serious trouble. And the very first thing they would say is, well, you know, he, he really had it hard. Now, some of you are saying, oh, they're making excuses. Well, maybe. Okay, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about understanding. Here's someone that did something very wrong, but the mother, let's say it was the mother, the mother says, well, if you only knew what he had to put up with, and then the tears running down the face. See, when you love someone, it's all different. It's totally different when you really love somebody. When you love them, you know, let me tell you something, folks. We need to, I tell you what I ought to be teaching on. We need, in 2015, we need a dose of love to get a hold of us that doesn't see the color of somebody's skin and doesn't see what money they got in the bank, but they love people because Jesus loves them. Praise God. That's what we need. We need it more. We need it more than we need a building. We need it more than we need money. We need it more than any. We need to love everybody. We need to love people. For God so loved the world that he gave. Praise God. Someone said to me recently, I don't even see why the Lord ever came in the first place. Didn't do any good. And they were being negative, of course. And what they were really meaning is they were so depressed and they were so discouraged. They just thought it was a hopeless cause. Why would God do it in the first place? I'll tell you why. Because he knew it would make a difference. And it did. Did it make a difference for anybody here tonight? (laughs) Oh, let me tell you, it made a difference. You don't want to know what it would have been like if he hadn't have come. But we won't go there. All right. So so he gave. Everyone say he gave. And it was his to give. It was his to give. Now, if you take somebody else's and use it as a gift, then you've robbed. All right. Now look, for example, down here at, uh, at uh, 2 Corinthians 8. I'm sorry I didn't put the text. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, there's the words, not the, the citation. For, he, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We could just almost say, I mean, I'm not trying to change the wording, but you could almost say, you, you all understand how good Jesus is. That's more or less what he's saying. You, you all know how gracious he is. Hallelujah. 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 You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He cut a shanda Though he was rich and he had everything and, and no, there'd be people speaking in his face yet for your sakes he became poor that's just another way of saying he gave everything I'm one of these people I'm I'm a sap I know it my family they all know it I'm a sap and uh, I cannot people will say look at this picture of Jesus being crucified I I can't I don't I don't want to look at that Oh, look at the blood here. Look at that. I don't want to. You think I just, oh, yeah, oh, the artist did a great job on that. No, when I see what they did to my Lord, something in me begins to break up. I begin to say, oh, Lord, Jesus, that was for me. What was the song? Way years ago, we used to sing a song called, um, uh, you know, like, I can't remember the song now, but um, I I was... uh, he, like he was crucified for me. I, sh- I should have been crucified. I should. I just remember the song. 
No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, it's something like that. I should have been crucified. Oh, yes, and I should have suffered. Is that called I should have been crucified? Is that the name of the song? And did we used to sing it? Or am I losing my mind? All right, yes, we used to sing it. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I'm the one that should have hung on the cross. <laughs> and when I see him bleeding and dying, I, get, I, get to, I, I don't think about, uh, I just think about how stupid are you people that you would crucify the Son of God. He did no harm. He never did anything but heal. I just want to go, what's wrong with you people? But that's how gracious he is. He had everything. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to come, but he came to my world. So and then, of course, that goes on to say that we might be made rich and so on. But I didn't even put the, the scripture quote. Oh, my goodness. And it was his to give because it was the gift of himself. And so let's explore that just a little bit. Now, the way that we are to give, everybody say, praise the Lord. Can I have another minute? Just a minute here. The way that we're to give is from our supply. How many knows the Lord? Everything we have is from the Lord. And I, 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 just, I just get amazed at how stingy we are. Oh, Jesus. I get amazed at what's happening to our culture. And they'll say, he's got all that money. We ought to burn his house down and take it for ourselves. That kind of, listen, folks, we're in one of the scariest days. You think Russia was bad. You think the communism is bad. You think of a people that actually justify killing other people so they can have what they have. And I want to tell you what God's going to do. God's getting ready to take care of all of it. <laughs> He's getting ready. And let me tell you something else. He came the first time, and he's coming a second time. And when he does, it's going to be different. It's going to be very, very different. I'm not teaching the crowd that doesn't believe that. I'm talking to you tonight. We give from our blessing. We know and recognize it came from God. Now Malachi 3 says, see right here? I'm going to read it. Some of you don't want me to read it. Will a man rob God? That's what it says. That's Bible. You can get mad, you can scream, you can kick and carry on. He said, listen, you bring your tithe into the storehouse. I'm, I'm skipping a bunch of it. And prove me if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Everyone say a blessing. See, the difference between a blessing and robbing God is the difference in the favor of God. And someone who robs God. Now think of it. You cannot give what is not yours. You can't take from someone else. Like someone said, uh, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just trying to explain. I'm trying to talk about a principle here. Someone said, oh, I don't have any offering. Give, can you give me? And we used to do this a lot. I'm not making fun of it. I'm not, I'm not nitpicking here. Our kids used to say, Daddy, I don't have an offering. Give me an offering. Of course, everything they ever gave they got from their mom and their dad. I understand that. They were learning the principle. I'm simply saying that when you say to someone, oh, I don't have any money. I think I'll take it out of Brother So-and-so's wallet, and I'll give that at church. You didn't give a dime. You robbed it. You took it from someone else. And the gift of God was never meant to be a robbery. It was never meant to be something that you did because you were so stingy. You didn't hardly know what you were doing. What God wants us to do is open our hearts and be like Jesus Christ. Turn the other cheek. Be what Jesus told us to be. I want to be a giver. My, I want to have a heart of giving. Jesus said, uh, uh, Paul said of Jesus, who being in the form of God, 
He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. (laughs) Jesus was God. Even though he was a man, he was in the form of a man. He didn't think it was robbery to let the world know, hey, I am more than a man. I may walk on water and I'll never toot my own horn. Do we, do we use that expression? Toot my own horn. That's got to have some kind of a meaning where you, uh, I mean, whose horn are you going to toot? I mean, I'm just trying to figure this out. But if you're tooting a horn and I'm going to toot my own horn, why would you go toot somebody else's horn? You know what I'm talking about. The point, though, is the idiom has to mean somewhere back there. That idiom had to mean that I don't go and say, I'm great. Jesus never one time, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He didn't have to do one single thing. He did it out of love. So, you need to be a giver. You need to be a giver. Praise God. So the ultimate gift is redemption through the gift of himself. God, 1 Timothy 3, was manifest in the flesh. John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. And that's a neuter, so I would translate it myself. You know, I, I'm not translating Bibles, but I would translate it, I and my Father are one and the same. That's why it's a neuter and not a masculine. Everyone say, praise the Lord. Can we just lift our hands and thank God? Just another few seconds here, Father. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for the power of God. And when they had opened their treasures, the wise men, Matthew 2, they presented unto him gifts. Everyone say gifts. I find this so wonderful. I love this. I could talk about this forever. I love it. I love it. Lord, I don't want to. Sometimes I just want to say, Lord, I don't need anything. Take care. I just want to be what you want me to be, Lord. They opened their treasures. (laughs) Who in the world were these guys? What are we talking about? These these wise men, they're coming from the east, and and a star guides them. God knew. The, The point was, now you listen to me, I'm preaching to you. The point was that God wanted you to know they bore treasures. They had brought especially to give a baby they had never seen. They were givers. They were welcoming the coming of God into their lives. Someone said, well, I wonder if they were this and that. I I could talk about that. That I could preach a sermon right now. I could run this aisle talking about it. I am telling you the reason we are told that they brought and pulled out of their treasures gold. Everyone say gold. Didn't say silver. How many thinks it said silver? Anybody think it said silver? No? Nobody taking that? How about rubies? I don't read a thing about rubies. The the specific mention is to the detail of their gift. They presented unto him, I'm reading from the King James now, they presented unto him gifts. Here it is, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <laughs> I don't like to be speculative. I, I try my best to just teach the clear word of God, but I, I read the other day, I can't get over it. It's still in my heart. <laughs> it might be true. I don't know. <laughs> Ever since I've read it, I thought, oh, I wish I hadn't read that. Because... They were speculating what Mary and Joseph did with those treasures. (laughs) You know, there's some people you can't, if they give one dime, 
I'm sorry, I'm so emotional. I'm just, I just feel this so strong tonight. I'm almost, I'm almost done. Just please give me a second. If they give a dime, boy, they want to know, you know, this and that. And, you know, and I understand we need to be very careful. And I'm, I'm strict about it all. I believe it. we should be. But, but I don't think that the first thing in our mind ought to be, man, I'm, boy, I'm keeping a, I want to know where, that, where the pastor got those shoes. I mean, I just, I just want to go, oh, my Lord, help us. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Well, as you can see, I, I don't have the time to do justice to this. Of course, those gifts all had spiritual meaning, and we could spend time there. But the, the most important thing is that the myrrh... <laughs> represented that he would be our sacrifice. Remember the words. I'm reading Acts 20. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more, can you say it with me? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Could you stand with me? I, I, I'm going to have to stop. I, I, wanna, I just want so bad to talk about this. Philippians 2. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, that's... <laughs> I don't know. Everything on here is wrong. Okay, that, of course, is 1 Corinthians 13 and 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not, Charity. See, the basis of all giving has to be love. That's why when you give it, you know, you have to trust your board and your church. You don't sit there saying, let me get a, let me get a thing here and watch every move somebody makes. No, no, what you're doing is, I'm not talking about that kind of giving anyway, I, but I'm, I'm trying to tell you that when, if the basis of your giving isn't love, then it isn't really giving. Love is based upon, I mean, giving is based upon love. So the evidence of love is your giving. Hereby, 1 John 3, hereby perceive we the love of God. Can you read that with, can you see that's awful tiny? Let's try it. See, let's test your eyes. And if you don't have, if you can't read it, you can take a doctor's appointment in the morning and get your eyes. No, I'm just kidding. That really is tiny. I, I didn't realize how tiny I was getting it. Let's read it though. If you can, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And how many notice that that says God laid down his life for us? Let's lift our hands and let's praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for this blessed time of year. It reminds us that we are a giving church, that it's not about what we get. It's not about who we are. Hollywood and, and the money grabbers, they're all around us. And we put them on television and we, we sing their praises. They're telling us all. It, morality doesn't matter. Nothing matters. But Lord, we're not listening to them. We're listening to a baby in a manger today. We hear your voice speaking to us, Lord, from long ago. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down. He lay the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Could we just give the Lord a little bit of praise here before we dismiss tonight? Oh, I love you, Jesus. 
Lord, we do give you praise. Lord, we praise you because you are so good to us. Your graciousness and your concern. And, and Lord, I know that we're not what we ought to be, but we, what we're going to do better. We're going to work at it. We're going to be stewards of your, of your love. We praise you, God, and we magnify you. Praise God, oh God, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Sister French, come up here and let's dismiss together. Praise God. Silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright round yon virgin mother and child. Holy infant soul. this holiday season not just here Lord I, I know many of us are blessed and we wouldn't want anybody to know any different if we weren't but there are families around us that are struggling and I pray for them and I pray for our, our county I know there are unregenerate minds about us here Lord that there's trouble at hand but yet your star has been seen. Your birth declares that you're a good God and that you have given yourself for us. So bless this Christmas and this new year. I pray for every son and daughter of every saint of God that's in this, connected to this church. I pray for our grandchildren that they will feel the Holy Ghost and that it will, won't be taken for granted or, or laughed at and mocked, but that it will be recognized for the valuable thing that it is to have the presence of God. Lord, we thank you because you have given us a wisdom and a strength to bring our gifts and to leave them, Lord, at your, at your feet, God. Keep us in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. 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 God bless you as you're dismissed in Jesus' name. We will see you Sunday, Lord willing.